We're now on Unit 3, when circumstances overwhelm. What do you notice about the themes of our lessons? Anything you notice? About all of them. They're all problems today. <laughs> okay. They're all problems today. They're all stresses. Okay. But notice they all begin with when. When. Not if. When. Okay, which means that they can happen, right? There's no ifs, buts, or babies. When. That means they will happen. We will experience them. So let's begin with the first question. When do you feel like singing the blues? <laughs> we, all, we all get to that point at some point, right? When, when is it that you feel like singing the blues? When, what happens? Or when what transpires? When what goes wrong? When what doesn't work out? <laughs> Not if now, when? When you expect something and it doesn't happen? When your mind was set on it and your heart was set on it and it didn't work out? When you feel like throwing a great big pity party for yourself because it didn't work out? That's the blues. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life on page 109. Someone go and read it. In the book, a woman overwhelmed, <clears throat> also stated, there are, there are a lot of things to be overwhelmed with. Worry, fear, faith, doubt, loss, gain, failure, rejection, <coughs> acceptance, finances, love, hate, regret, responsibility, organization, mess, Loneliness, openness, inability, lack, abundance, and the list goes on. And some of those are for me. <laughs> I thought the list wasn't going to stop. <laughs> but if I'm honest with myself, I'm not so overwhelmed with my life as I am with everyone else's. If everyone would just do what I want them to do, I wouldn't be so overwhelmed. <laughs> she concluded. There are two results of comparing yourselves with another human being, pride and depression. In the two Psalms we would look at in this session, we will find that even the psalmist had times when he was depressed and distressed, but God's presence can give us the encouragement we need. He will help us look above and beyond our circumstances. In these verses, we will see that it comes to reminded to put our hope in God and worship Him in spite of anything we can face. Okay. When you look at that list, a list alone is kind of depressing, eh? Yeah. It goes on and on. <clears throat> Worry, fear, everything that you can think of is almost on this list. What is the point? God lifts us up when circumstances slow us down. Do we believe that? Yes. Lord, help us, we pray. Open our spiritual eyes to the struggles we face that drag us down. And lift us up when we come to those points in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen.
Okay, we have a, our first passage is in uh, Psalm 42, 1 to 3. But before we read that, let me give you the setting. In uh, Psalm 42 and 43, can be taken together as a single lament. The psalmist express a great desire to be present and experience worship at the temple in Jerusalem, but he was unable. The reason for his absence from Jerusalem is not indicated, but suggestions range from his being unable to go to the temple because of distance, <coughs> sickness, conflict, or probably just exile. Whatever the reason, the psalmist expressed and exper experienced a deep longing for God. Okay, let's read that passage and see for ourselves what the psalmist has gone through. I sit there longs for flowing springs. So I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been, been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, Where is your God? Okay, continue. We all go through times where everything seems to be coming at us at once. We may feel like we are drowning. Whether we call it the blues, a full bloom, depression, we feel overwhelmed physically. Leaders, historical figures, and great preachers all have experienced times of overwhelming despair and hopelessness. Moses felt so overwhelmed by the Israelites' endless complaining, he urged God, <clears throat> If you are going to treat me like this, please kill me right now if I have found favor with you. I don't let me see my misery anymore. <clears throat> Elijah was overwhelmed with his prayer, and Jezebel, that he prayed, I've had enough. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Abraham Lincoln, as a young lawyer, Abraham Lincoln suffered such deep depression that his friends feared he might commit suicide. He wrote, I am now the most miserable man living. <clears throat> if what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human There would not be one cheerful face on earth. Mm. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better. Charles had his fortune. The great preacher from London was plagued with depression. I, of all men, and perhaps the subject of the deepest depression of them. I am the subject of depression, so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. What does this tell us? Some of the greatest leaders might be used of God of experience down times, experiencing times of depression does not mean you're less spiritual. <clears throat> During these difficult times, you need to become like the deer 
the psalmist described in verse 1. The deaders not just want to have a cool drink of water, it is panning, longing, aching for the refreshment that only flows, flowing streams can bring. The dead desperate to quench his thirst. This is how we should long for God in our lives. <coughs> the psalmist tested for the only true God. Many of us experience depression, depressive trials. We are emotionally due to grief, heartache, loss, hectic <laughs> lifestyle, or all relevant circumstances. During this season, even in the midst of the overwhelming nature of life, we need to desire God's presence over everything else. Like the sons, we need to thirst for God. Ask when we can be with Him again, and share tears when we sense that we are not man. Okay. So we see um, there are a lot of people who have, who have faced, um, who have struggled with depression. Uh, we see Moses. <clears throat> Moses asked God just to kill me right now. I don't want to go through this. Elijah, the same thing. Lord, I had enough. Take my life now. Abraham Lincoln. Ever thought Abraham Lincoln would have felt like that? <clears throat> Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Mm -hmm. I mean, a giant, we would call a giant in the faith. Yeah. Man of God also struggled. And so we see, when we come to those points in our lives, you know, it is to be expected that we would all encounter depression and struggle with it at some point in time, uh, like the psalmist David did. And there was another psalm uh, that David wrote, I think Psalm 13 where David in that psalm says, O oh Lord, how long? Four times. He says, Lord, how long? How long? And I'm sure many of us have been to that point in our lives because that's part of what we'll have to encounter in this life. Uh, but God is there for us, isn't he? God is there. Um, let's look at... There's a... There's a section here called Digging Deeper. Uh, let's look at that. There, as imagery in the Old Testament, as untamed animals that thrived in the land, there also demonstrated a facet of the freedom God's creatures enjoy, their complete dependence on God's gracious provisions. This seems to be the background for the psalmist's cry in Psalm 42.1. The psalmist thus indicated that his spiritual thirst could be satisfied only by the sustaining presence of God. He mirrors this thirst in the panting of the graceful and sturdy deer that, it, that is desperate for life-giving refreshment of a cool running stream. The panting of this graceful creature is, poignant, is a poignant symbol of the need for sustenance from a source outside oneself. Further, by comparing this plight to the plight of the creature like, to a creature like, like the deer, desperate for something as basic as life, as basic to life as water, the psalmist was able to confess his inability 
to live without God, his one and only hope for what he needed. And that's how we ought to feel when we come to those points in our lives as well. The psalmist indicated that his spiritual thirst can only be satisfied by the sustaining presence of God. As the deer longed for the water, so the psalmist longed for his inward thirst for God to be quenched. Note that the writer's immediate focus was not on the weight of his burdens or circumstances. The desire of his heart was that his communion with God would be restored. <coughs> the writer did not, did not view closeness to God as a luxury or something born out of convenience. Rather, as the deer needed the life-giving streams of water to survive, so too the psalmist viewed God's presence as a life-giving necessity. And that's how we should always view it, a life-giving necessity. The absence of God's presence will cause a person to experience an ever-deepening desire for God. As the deer needed water to survive, so too the psalmist needed God for his own survival. He had an insatiable desire for God's divine presence. Notice the psalmist had a strong desire for his, for his thirsting for God to be quenched. Only God could quench it. The absence of God's presence will cause a person to experience an ever-deepening desire for God. And the psalmist's deepest desire was for God himself. Nothing else. Let's look at the next passage, verses 6 to 8 of Psalm 42. Who want to I take? am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. Read the keywords? Yeah, go ahead with keywords. Deep calls to deep. The psalmist personified the waters, which call to one another as they flow over the waterfalls. Distressing times opportunity to remember the goodness of God. The psalmist leaned on his heritage of being a Hebrew. He sang about the promised land that God gave to his people. The land was a sign of God's blessing on his chosen people. The Jordan River, Mount Hermon, and Mount Mazar were all recognizable landmarks to the Jewish people of this day. Of this day. They were reminders that God never gives up on his promises, and one of those is his presence in our lives. Even when we struggle with the overwhelming sense of depression, we have many lingering reminders of God's presence with us. The psalmist felt like he was drowning. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. It was as if every time he came up for air, he got a mouthful of water. Even though he felt like he was drowning, he affirmed what he knew to be true. The Lord loved him and would be with him no matter what. Jesus' disciples knew this. They experienced a violent storm, but Jesus was in the boat with them. As he did with his disciples, Jesus can say, Silence, be still, to the storms of our lives. Mark 4, verse 35 41. When life is out of our control, we can always trust that God is, in, is still in control. 
In troubling times, we can experience the consistency of God's faithfulness and love. Sometimes we have the chance to struggle with life in the light of day. But what about the terrorists that wait to pounce on us in the middle of the night? It does not matter. God is present at all times and in all states of affairs. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1 verse 9. No matter what we are facing, we can hold on to him in prayer. Even and especially in trying times, we can choose to have a song of joy in our hearts and not a funeral dirge. Even in his deeply depressed state, the psalmist still spoke with confidence. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. The psalmist knew God would be faithful. The one who has been faithful to us in the past is the same one who will be faithful to us in the present and the future. When we're driving, it is good to glance periodically in the rearview mirror, but we can't fix our eyes on what's behind us or we will have a wreck. Mm. That's true. <laughs> Perhaps our overwhelming circumstances are, tried, are tied to something we've done. We can't continue to look back at our bad decisions, bad experiences, broken relationships, past mistakes, and sins. Instead, we should confess the sins of the past and move forward in Christ. Affirm that God is the God of your present and your eternal future. He is faithful and will come through. Okay, look at question number two. <clears throat> How do people typically, typically express their longing for God? Typically. How do they express that longing? In prayer. Hmm? In prayer. In prayer. Typically, right? They would cry out to God, Lord, help me. Lord, I'm going through this. Lord, why am this happening? Why is this happening? Lord, that fellow down the road living in sin, living like the devil, and he's, he looked like he's having fun. Why am I going through this? Typically, by prayer. So in this particular um, passage in these verses, we see the psalmist confess he was depressed and looking to God to intervene in his life just as he had intervened in the past. So he said, Lord, you did it before. I know you can do it again. And this is what he's crying for. He says, Lord, I'm deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from the Mount of Mizar. And so the psalmist experienced such overwhelming circumstances that he, he struggled to remember God's presence in his life. In spite of acknowledging his hope in God, the psalmist recognized that feelings of depression and isolation were still present in his life. They were still there. The psalmist stated, I am deeply depressed. He now used a vivid imagery to demonstrate how his feelings of despair had escalated. In a state of deep depression, the psalmist did, did what people often do when they reach such a level of despondency. He thought back to a time when things were better and happier and more joyous. He remembered God in the context of the land in which he had lived. The land of Jordan is somewhat of a broad reference to the upper Jordan Valley, Jordan River Valley. The peaks of Hermon call attention to what is generally considered the northern point of Israel's control at the height of Mount Hermon. There the snow-capped peaks send melted water down its slopes to form a mighty Jordan River. 
The location of Mount Mizar is uncertain. The overall emphasis is on the writer's absence from his land, his city, Jerusalem, and its temple, places where in the past he had once experienced the presence of God. Now I gave us some handouts. See those handouts? What are they, what are they called? Life stressors. Life stresses. Any, any, I, I didn't get one of those. I'm going to have any more there. Let's look at those life stresses for a few minutes. Let's look at these life stresses. Death of a spouse of a, tri of a child. That's a stress, isn't it? My, uh, I had a cousin who passed away recently. Um, I mentioned it last week. And uh, he was the youngest son. But his father had a lot of land all over the island. And the land was supposed to have been shared among the relatives, the brothers and sisters and so on. And that never happened. And uh, they, when they found out that he was near death's door, they spoke to him and they tried to get him to try to deal with this. You know, because if they didn't deal with it, then automatically his children would get it. And the brothers and sisters and other relatives wouldn't get any. And that was a stressor for the family. But I talked to my sister, my sister said, you know, <clears throat> they were talking to him about this while he was in the hospital and trying to get him to get his will and all this stuff sorted out and it didn't happen. Death of a spouse of a child. Death is always a stressor for those who are left behind. And then there's divorce. Isn't that a big stressor? Mm -hmm. Marital separation or family break, broke up, break up. It's not a biggie, isn't it? Jail sentence or imprisonment. Another one. Death of other close, of other close family member. Personal injury and serious illness. I'm sure we all can identify with all of these, right? Because yeah. yeah. we, we haven't experienced them in our own lives. We've heard of others, someone close to us or others who've experienced them. Um, burdensome debt. Okay, people having to uh, be put out of their homes and people sleep in their cars and so on and so forth. And um, I've heard stories of people who go to who have office jobs and they dress up and go to work every every day, but they live in their cars because they've been put out of their homes because they couldn't meet the mortgage and the house is taken, burdensome debt, job loss or extended unemployment. And there's a statistic that they have uh, among the statistics of, of the Department of Statistics of individuals who give up on looking for jobs. They, have, they actually have a statistic of individuals, they count the individuals who stop looking for jobs because they're so stressed that they can't find any. Okay, so job loss and extended unemployment. Marital reconciliation. That could be a stressor at times. And of course, retirement. When a person has worked so long all their lives and retirement comes around, they don't know what to do with themselves. And many of them are stressed out. And, and interestingly enough, I heard of a guy who worked at Kelly's uh, sometime recently. Um, he was in charge of the plumbing department at Kelly's. And uh, he retired and someone put a, a, a tribute to him. Well, they, they, they photographed 
uh, presentation to him uh, just before his retirement. This guy came up and they brought him a big uh, bouquet uh, fruit basket they gave him. And this guy was singing a song to him and he was there, he was just crying. You know, it was so emotional. You know, and uh, they gave him, someone handed him a piece of tissue and he was wiping his, his eyes and stuff like that. And then he died the next week. Wow. I couldn't believe it. He just passed away. And that's how it is. Retirement. Some people just can't handle it. It's too stressful. They don't know what to do with themselves. And then sometimes they retire and then about less than a year they find out they can't make it on that. They need to be waiting. Exactly. And so they go back to work. Another stress. I have two or three friends of the other scenario. They said they, they don't know how they managed to do what they had when they were working because they have so much more to do now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't see how they can do all of them, you know? Mm -hmm. I tell people if I never was so good, I'll retire before. I need to go back to work. Yeah. Paul says that a lot. Yeah, so they have so much to do now, they don't know how they manage to do all they have to work and then mm -hmm. now and do whatever they have to do as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what other life events cause you to feel overwhelmed? Any that didn't make the list? <laughs> that we can think of? I think that covers them all, eh? Yeah, that covers all of them. Okay, life stresses. Okay, let's look at question number three. Well, let's look at the next passage, because time rapidly going on is here. Let's look at um, Psalm 43, 3 to 5. Someone go ahead and read that, please. Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God, my greatest joy. I will praise you with the love, God, my God. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in hope. I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Continue. Hebrews reject. The Hebrew term comes from a root meaning to be bowed down and refers to a person laying down with many cares and concerns. Mm -hmm. It is one thing to know in our minds that always that overwhelming circumstances are not the end of us, but it is another thing to move our hearts to that place as well. We can take the strength out of our feelings of abandonment by remembering that God is still with us. But we always need to take another step. We want to get from that thirsty place of wondering about God's presence to enjoying a deep encounter with Him. Interestingly, the only way to do it is to trust in God's revelation to us. Ultimately, God's light and truth brings us into his presence. But we get there by faith in what God can do and what he reveals to us. In the first verse of Psalm 43, the psalmist expresses doubt, his wonder, he wondered why the depressing circumstances were sorrow and oppression happen in the first place. There is no shame in asking why. The psalmist repeatedly asked why. 
In fact, it is healthy to engage God in honest prayer when we have doubts. When you don't feel like worshiping or talking to God, pray anyway. It is the only way we can express our feelings. Okay. <clears throat> it is the only way we can progress from feeling distant from God to the reality of intimacy with Him. The psalmist knew deep down that his focus needed to be on God and not on himself or his circumstances. Therefore, he made a statement of faith three times again. I will still praise him. Each time he said, he denounced how his outlook. He demonstrated. He demonstrated how his outlook had changed, proclaiming that he had come to be the Lord in me as my Savior and my God. Let's look at how the psalmist pro progressed to where we want to be in 42. Two. He referred to the living God in a true statement, but it feels a bit sterile. It is merely acknowledging that there is really only one true God. Then in 42a, he moved to the phrase, the God of my life. It is the leap we have to make from knowing God is there to believing God is there for us. Finally, in 43.4, he says something astounding about God. He called God my greatest joy. As the psalmist's view of God and his relationship with him changed, his outlook on life and his circumstances also changed. Our only hope for victory is to focus on Christ and praise him as our Savior and our God. In Psalm 42, 42, the psalmist <coughs> acknowledged his feeling and despair. Worship God in the midst of them. Affirm the truth in spite of how he felt and choose to worship God no matter what. His view of God and his relationship with him changed. His outlook on life and his circumstances also changed as a result. Circumstances in life will either make us or break us. We can either be the victim of them or the victor over them. Devil, you're a liar. I keep telling you every time I start to read, but when you spoke to me last week, that got to me. I said, I cannot let the devil cheat me. <laughs> Every time I go to read recently, that's why I was not reading. Mm. When I came back, I said, Lord, I will read when I get back in there. No matter where I put Amen. That was a really good something. Okay, let's look at the two questions here. Uh, question number three. Um, as we have seen in the passages, how does remembering God's faithfulness in the past help you face overwhelming circumstances? It bolsters your trust that he did this in the past. He can do it again or better or differently. Mm -hmm. It builds your trust in him. Right. Reminds us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. If he helped me before, he can help me again. There's a song that says, Lord, do it again. Right now. What are some steps we can take to, what are some steps we can take, question number four, when circumstances threaten to overwhelm us? 
Based on what the psalmist did. Pray. Pray, okay. And be, be transparent with God, right? Don't pretend. Tell God exactly what's on your heart. That's what the psalmist is doing here. Okay, in Psalm 43 is a continuation of Psalm 42. But the tone of Psalm 43 is strikingly different as the psalmist made a shift, turning from self-evaluation toward prayer and praise. Following the second refrain in Psalm 42, 11, the psalmist was, was brought back into despair, wondering why he had to suffer at the hands of his enemies, reminding God he was surrounded by people who constantly who were constantly criticizing his beliefs, his faith, and his beliefs. This reminder was a plea to the Lord to vindicate the psalmist's righteousness and return him to Jerusalem back into God's presence. And so we, we go to God and we are reminded of what he has done before. And when we go over to page 116, notice it says, Acknowledging his feelings of despair. This is what the psalmist did. In Psalm 42 and 43, the psalmist did what? He acknowledged his feelings and despair. He worshipped God in the midst of those feelings and despair. He affirmed the truth in spite of how he felt. And he chose to worship God no matter what he was going through. Okay? Facts make a great engine of a train. Feelings are the caboose, but if you switch them and you go by your feelings, you're always going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. So when you rehearse the facts of God and who He is, your emotions will catch up mm -hmm. and follow and praise and thank and trust. Yeah. Amen. So true. Okay, uh, let's look at how we can flesh this out. So time is gone right here. Uh, page 117. God is greater than our circumstances. You believe that? Yes. yes. He always is, isn't he? Yes. What would you do with that truth? Talk to God. If you are hurt, angry, or disappointed with God because of your circumstances, talk to him about it. Wouldn't that what you do with a, with a human being? You talk to them, right? Do the same thing with God. That's what the psalmist did. The psalmist wrote honestly about his feelings and circumstances, and an honest prayer is a place to start in getting rightly focused on God. Worship. Make a concerted effort to worship God. Worship and praise during your private devotional life and actively engage with others as you worship at church. And then talk to someone. Do a serious personal evaluation about what causes depression in your life. Admit that it is real and it is serious. It might be time to talk with a close friend, pastor, or counselor about it. Amen? All right, so we need to be mindful that whenever we are facing depression, it's not a time to go in hiding or to become isolated. It's time to be transparent with God. Talk to Him. Father, we pray that you would help us to look to you in seasons of distress and grief. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to be with us in those times. And bless our time in your presence as we go into the service to follow. 
Get glory for yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.